Welcome to The Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association provides creative opportunities for all ages. Get creative with us at the Mesquite Fine Arts Center, 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartscenter.com or on Facebook, The Art Box. We're here at the Art Box. I'm Steve, Randy Bauman. Randy is the artist in the month for February. You picked a good month because there's a lot of people in town. Tell me what your plans are for Mesquite Fine Arts Center. There you go. You'll be there from the last Monday in January to the last Saturday in February. That's right. Well, it's Steve, it's been a it was a cathartic experience. I had uh, several friends, including my wife, who had been Artist of the Month. And the way you're chosen, as you know, is it's a random drawing. There's a few qualifications. You have to have been a member of the gallery for a couple of years, and you can't have been Artist of the Month for a couple of years, something like that. And I almost didn't enter because it was so much work for the people I knew who had done it and had to help my wife. It was a lot of work. I remember you helping your wife. <laughs> yeah, we did a podcast on it, didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> well, right. you did a podcast with her. <laughs> That's right. I did a podcast. And it was so cute. And then I remember you in there that Sunday hanging things. <laughs> And putting gourds up. and Yeah, when I got the email, I decided to enter at the last minute. I, 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 would, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it. And then when I got the email that I'd been chosen, they said, you have February. And this was early October. And I thought, well, I got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Until you realize that you have to turn in your list of what you're going to exhibit by early January. And then you've got the holidays. And now I'm down to two and a half months. And I had to make some trips back home. I made a trip back home to uh, where I grew up in Minnesota in uh, late October to help my brother clean out mom's house. Mom moved into assisted living. Dad had passed away about 10 years ago. And that was really part of the experience here because it got me thinking about photography and what's enduring. So we're going through boxes and we find a box full of old photo albums. And one of them I remember distinctly, it said 1997 Mexico trip. My brother and I were long gone from home. We didn't go on that trip. That was mom and dad's memory. And we flipped through it, and there's nothing in there that we care about. And guess where it went? It went in the dumpster. But we were in the basement, and we found this four-foot-wide, three-foot-high, black-and-white photograph that my dad had taken in Alaska, when he was stationed there in the Army in the early 1950s. It was of the, the Eagle River. And that photograph hung on the wall in our living room all through our childhood. And eventually it got relegated to the rec room in the basement. And eventually, you know, it's 80 years old now. It's sitting there and it's got water damage and it, there's no way to salvage it. So it's going to the dumpster. But it means something to me and my yeah. brother of all the photographs my father ever took, and there were thousands of them. Because yeah, your father was uh, a photographer. Yes, he was. 
that one meant the most to us. So I took a photo of it and I scanned it and I've been editing it. In fact, I shared a, a preliminary update of the restoration at a photographic society meeting a few months ago. But it means a lot to me and it got me thinking about you know, you've got one wall for the Artist of the Month exhibit. How big is it? How many photographs can I display? Which ones do I want to display? Because I have thousands of them, too. And what's enduring? What does it mean to me? Because when I'm gone, all of my photographs that are on a hard drive are going to go the same place that my father's photo albums went. They're going to go in a dumpster somewhere because nobody's really going to care about them. And what's going to be left are the ones that I've printed and carefully printed. I believe printing is part of the art uh, of photography. Printed, matted, framed, put on metal, whatever that are on the wall. Those are the ones that will endure and some of them, certainly not all of them, because I have a lot, my daughter will keep, and they'll mean something to her. One of them comes to mind, and it's, and it's in my exhibit, because if you would have asked me five years ago even, what kind of photographer are you? I would have said, I'm a landscape photographer. But as I was getting ready for this exhibit and going through the stuff that I either had printed and on the wall already or things that I wanted to print and get ready to exhibit, I realize I'm not a landscape photographer solely. I have a lot of other stuff. And one of them that stuck out to me, my daughter and I, I, I was living in New Mexico. She was out of college. She was living in Florida. She came to visit me for Christmas one year. We drove up to Denver to go to a Bronco game because my daughter was born in Denver. And even though we left when she was two years old and she doesn't remember it, she still thinks she's from Denver. So th that was a cool thing for her to tell her friends, well, I was born in Denver. Oh, she's got blue and orange going through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to a Bronco game and we drove back Monday morning to Albuquerque and we took the back way through the mountains and it was snowing and we got to one of my favorite places, Great Sand Dunes National Park in South Central Colorado. And I thought, I'm going to get some photos of the sand dunes with snow on them. And I turn around, and the parking lot is covered with about an inch of fresh snow. And my daughter is dancing a pattern in the parking lot in her snow boots. And I'm fumbling for my camera. And just as she finishes this design that she danced in the snow... I snapped a picture and I said to her, gotcha. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? That photo means to me, I call it snow dance. And what it means to me is that's the pure joy of life. That's just one of those life moments that she'll never forget, that I'll never forget, because I happened to be able to get my hand around the camera in time to capture that one moment. And it means a lot. So it's in my exhibit. And I've seen that, and it brings a smile to your face. It does. No matter what. I don't know the story behind it. I do now. But seeing it, that brings a smile to your face. It's well, childlike. She it is. She was having fun. It is. And you can't identify my daughter from the photo. It's blurred because she was moving, and I wanted that motion. And I got lucky that I captured it with the camera that she's moving. So when you look at it, it doesn't 
doesn't somebody doesn't say, well, that's Randy's daughter. What do I care about a picture of Randy's daughter? That's not what the photo means yeah. to me. And hopefully that's not what the photograph means to a viewer. It, it means this is joy. This is one of those times in life where you have joy. Another one that I decided to put in for the same reason is called Night Game. I'm a baseball fan, as you know, Steve. And when I lived in Nashville, we would go to the Nashville Sounds minor league team several times every summer when my daughter was growing up. Beautiful summer nights. Tickets were free or two for one. It was a rickety old stadium called Greer Stadium, but it had an iconic scoreboard they added one year shaped like a guitar, this huge guitar in left field. Really cool. And my daughter's in college and the years go by and one night I go, it's in the spring. I went by myself and I there's nobody there. I had my choice of seats. I settle in directly behind home plate, get my camera out, start taking pictures, and I get one where the pitcher has let go of the ball, the batter is swung at it, the ball is between home plate and the pitcher, and every player on the field is in position waiting to figure out what they're going to do next. And what does that photo mean? Who cares? It's an old photo of a baseball game I was at? No. It is a photograph of somebody who enjoys baseball enjoying a night game you can feel the air you can you can you can see the beautiful sky you can feel if you love baseball i can't believe you wouldn't be drawn to that photograph because it says this is a night at the ballpark at this beautiful rickety stadium that's long gone now been replaced with something that's more plastic and consistent with all the ballparks but that old stadium it had some character that a lot of these newer stadiums don't have anymore and that character lives on through your photograph yeah it does so I, when i do the exhibit i do these these they're called show kits i think you have the f- picture that's printed and it's matted and framed and it or matted and ready for a frame and it's in a cellophane bag and when i put those together i do these little inserts that i stick in the back that includes a paragraph that describes where I was or what it meant to me or how it was taken. Just just a little tidbit about the photograph. I love this. To let somebody know that it's not just about me. It wasn't just my daughter. It wasn't just a, a, a baseball game. This is the essence of photography is to try to create a feeling and that's what art is, is to create a feeling in other people. There's, a, there's another one I'd tell you about. A couple years ago, my, my wife's from New York, and she has friends in Queens and Long Island. And I said, I want to go to New York in December, in the Christmas season, but I want to stay in Manhattan. I haven't stayed in Manhattan in years. They can come in from Long Island if they want to visit us. So we get a a hotel south of Central Park, and we wander the streets for a week. And one day it's raining, and we're walking. We made a long walk. We walked almost all the way from the end of Manhattan all the way up to Central Park South. And it's raining, and we buy umbrellas from the street vendors. We stop and have dessert in Little Italy. We stop and have Chinese food in Chinatown. We're just taking our time. It's about a four-mile walk, as I remember. 
all of a sudden, and it's dusk and it's raining, and all of a sudden there's the Empire State Building peeking around the corner of these other buildings. And it's all lit up and the sidewalk's glossy with reflections and people in front of us with umbrellas and cars coming toward us with their headlights. And I you know, the best camera is the one you have with you, and that happened to be my <laughs> cell phone. So I took out my cell phone and took some pictures, and I call it Rainy Day in New York. And it's the same kind of feeling. It puts me back yeah. to a rainy day in New York because even though it was cold, it was December, and it was raining, we were experiencing Manhattan, and Manhattan was packed with people who come in to see the tree at Rockefeller Plaza and the Rockettes at Radio City. But this was one of the coolest experiences that I captured during that whole trip. And that's, again, that it's my art. And that's that's one that's that's in this exhibit as well. Okay, I don't believe I've seen that, so I can, I'm excited. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, because it'll—you were there. You felt it. But I've been there. It'll take me back. It'll take anyone back who's been there before. So you're, it'll be a shared experience with many. Yeah, we we have we have a lot of fun, and in in the photographic society, and our our goal this year is every month we have a photo theme or photo challenge. We called it. And, this month it's abandoned places, and some of us went out the other day. You never know where you're going to find these things. And it's just down the road here in Littlefield, and there's this old abandoned farmstead. I can't remember the name of it. It's something Haven, Stonehaven Farm or something, and the sign says, No Trespassing 1901 or something like that. And, of course, if you've ever been out with Sue... Kelson, she doesn't read signs, so <laughs> she ignores the no trespassing sign, and we're wandering around this property, and there's an old stone house that's deteriorated, It's half of it's literally gone, and there's this old car sitting there, and the neighbor comes over, and he starts telling me the history of this property. Part of it was where the first Littlefield schoolhouse was. Yeah. Next door where he lived was where the Littlefield post office used to be. Didn't know there was a post office in Littlefield. Well, there hasn't been for about 30 years, it turns out. Well, this old car is a 1950, I had to look this up, a 1950 Chevy. I wonder how long it's been sitting there. There's no wheels. The elements and the weather are taking its toll on it. How long will it be there? It's falling apart. The seat springs, the upholstery's all gone. I call it wheels up. And I took it with an infrared camera and that will be one of my photos. But it makes you think about, I hate to say spiritually, but if you think about it, everything we have turns to dust eventually. All of the things that were in mom's house that we didn't salvage went into the dumpster. They went into a landfill somewhere, and in a hundred years, some archaeologist will be digging through them, trying to figure out what it was like to live in 2023. And this whole car is slowly but surely returning to the earth. And I thought it was really kind of a cool picture, and it was really good for 
infrared because it gives this eerie feeling of of doom almost. I, I don't want I don't mean that in a negative way, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, whenever I see an old car like that, or pretty much anything, I think about that at one time it was new and the joy that the owners had getting that. And now here it sits. And and when I went online to figure out what year it was, you could find a lot of cars from 1950. And there are a lot of different, and I knew it was a Chevrolet, but most of the markings were long gone. The trim was gone. But I was able to identify it, and I had exactly, I had exactly the same thought. What was it like when it was new in the house? What was the house like when it was new? When did somebody last live in this house? It's a beautiful piece of property with a huge, huge uh, area of grass. It must be 10 acres. It's maybe an eighth of a mile from the Virgin River. I don't know how far back the owner's property goes, but obviously they were doing some, raising some crops there. The neighbor felt that the Built the house had last been lived in probably in about 1950, which you know to really to guys like us that that's you know almost in our lifetime. I was born yeah. in the mid 50s, but almost 70 years ago that it's been sitting empty. No wonder the walls are gone and vegetation is growing up through the living room. A flood took out the basement. He told me. Okay, and maybe that's why. But, but he, he also said he knows the owner, and he also said that one of his goals when he retires, he's a contractor, is to think about lovingly trying to restore it. Oh, that's which great. Would, which would be kind of cool. Yeah, it would be. It'd take a lot of work and probably a lot of money, but it is a beautiful piece of property. There's, a, there's an outbuilding there that we thought was funny. There's an outbuilding that has power going to it, new power poles, a transformer, painted purple. Turns out that's an Airbnb that the owner rents out regularly. Pretty rustic, but I was told that tourists from Europe don't mind the rustic. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So we just stumbled on this place out there, not too far from here, by making a right turn one day. And there's all this history there. And I think you find that in a lot of places around here if you're looking. If you're looking, and I think photography is what attracted us to it because we were looking for an abandoned place. And I said, well, I think there might be one out there. Well, that's a real gem, Randy. I can hardly wait to see him. Yeah, because neither one of you two shared any of those pictures on Facebook. No. I've asked. I think Sue put up a picture of a bird or something the same day. I'm like, so did you find an abandoned place? Nothing. I hear nothing. She said, I got nothing. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen any of hers. I know I got a couple, and yeah. I find it hard to believe, knowing Sue's photographic skills, that she didn't get something. So we'll see at our next meeting, I yeah. guess. But uh, I, I'm going to try. We're going to talk about this. But for a future meeting, I thought we might get permission from the owner and, and make a, a trip out there as a group and, and maybe do a maybe make that part of our exhibit because there's so much history and there's all kinds of buildings and artifacts left behind. It's not just the old stone house. There's trailers. There's an old water wheel. Just It's just really kind of a cool place. And who would have ever expected it? And, and actually, one of our other members, Barb and I, stumbled on it a couple months ago when we were just out. We were going to go up 91 
to look for fall colors. And I said, well, why don't we take a right here and see what's down this road? Because it's right there at the end of uh, end of the old road to Beaver Dam, where you turn left to go under the freeway. Okay. If you turn right, and it's about a half mile down in there. Is it really? Yeah, it's just right there. How many times have you driven by there? What got you guys to drive a half mile? Uh, I said, well, we didn't have any place to go that day, so we were just driving around looking, which is kind of what we do sometimes. It's kind of fun, huh? And we came across, and there's some other stuff down in there that's that's pretty cool that we didn't have time to explore. It was, when we were down there on uh, Sunday, it was a little rainy, so, which is good weather for abandoned places because it gives this eerie kind yeah. of kind of feeling and, and certainly one of the good things because you talked me into joining the photographic society is that there's a lot of different thought there that people are always thinking so it's not just going taking a picture of landscape like you just said everybody's thinking and helping each other and let's go here to shoot and let's go there to shoot so <laughs> you, you get some unique photography opportunities well we have fun because and fun? i think and i think you said this as well but for me it was always a solo thing i i did it on my own maybe my girlfriend or my wife would be with me but it was my passion my hobby going back 40 50 years and i thought i'm i don't want to be part of a camera club that runs around as groups and takes photos but actually I found that I really enjoy it and I go places and take photos and experience things that I wouldn't on my yeah. own and we have we have a lot of fun we have a really really good group the photographic society is coming up on its third anniversary here in March since uh, a group of those who had expressed interest and my wife was president of the gallery at the time and she asked if I'd try and get a photo group started because there were people interested and so we had a meeting one afternoon and that led to a second meeting and pretty soon we had a group going and now we're coming up on three years and we keep we keep evolving but I think we've gotten to the point where we've got a really good core group of intermediate experienced photographers who are passionate about their hobby and we're having a good time we're having a good time and we get I noticed at the last exhibit in the gallery about two thirds of the entries were photographs and not all of those were from members of the photographic society which is fine I was glad to see a bunch of our members were exhibiting photos because you know what I've always said if it's not printed it's not art it's great. Scroll on Facebook. I see beautiful photos every day. I look at them for three or four seconds, click the like button and move on, and they'll never be seen again. And they are in some ways not unlike my parents' photo album from Mexico in 1997. They will be out in the hyperspace of the internet world maybe forever, but they'll never be seen again unless somebody wants to do something with them. Yeah, they'll just be ones and zeros. <laughs> and ones and zeros aren't very artistic, are they? Ones and zeros aren't very artistic. Okay, I'll say that and somebody will come up with a beautiful painting out of ones and zeros. But I don't mean, and I'm not, denigrating people who take photos and post them on Facebook. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do that sometimes, too. I think it's great that we have this technology, not only 
that allows us to share these photos around the world immediately, but also the technology that allows us to take such great photos without having to think about much. You know, you whip out your cell phone, it's got a computer in it, it's got a great camera in it, and you're probably going to get a pretty good photo. In fact, in some cases, a cell phone will take a better photo than an expensive camera because it's got all of those computational. Yeah. And that's I think that's wonderful. Well, I think it's great because I, I get to share that with friends that I have all over the world that I don't get to meet with once or twice a month right. at the Photo Society meeting. Yeah. So that's good, too. It's good, too. And when I look at, at my exhibit, there's at least two or three of the 10 or 11 photos that were taken with a cell phone. Because as I said, the best camera is the one you have with you. So when you're walking up Fifth Avenue in New York City in the rain, um, I didn't feel comfortable in New York carrying around an expensive camera anyway. So I left it at home. I didn't even take it on the trip. Yeah, there's times like hiking, it's yeah. not going to carry around a heavy camera. Not going to carry around, and you got the dust, and you just don't want to do it. So there's one of uh, flowers. I call it floating petals. It's one of my favorite images of flowers. And I took it while I was walking around Sun City one morning. And it's been edited to look like the petals are floating in the air. And it's one of my favorite ones. But, again, taken with a cell phone. And I'm not ashamed of that fact. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I got it off my cell phone and onto the wall. And it means something to me. And, yeah. and I think a photo like that, anybody who looks at it would see the beauty that's in nature, which I think is something that photography helps us capture the beauty that of, of ordinary things that we just walk by and we don't even notice. We don't. We do it every day. All of us are like that. And we can't be present all the time in the moment, but sometimes I think photography pulls us back to that presence. And at least I hope people find that in the joy of the snow dance or the night game or the street in Manhattan on a rainy day, or whatever. I hope people find that in my photography. Really, that's what came out of me becoming Artist of the Month, is I had to sort through that, and I wanted to display a wider range of my photography, other than just landscapes. Not that there's anything wrong with landscapes. I have several I'll be displaying that are beautiful landscapes, and they mean a lot to me. But that's in addition to these other aspects that I've been talking about. Well, looking forward to see it, Randy. Can I ask you, because I had to think about this, when you sell something, you got to have backups. Do you have your backups all set? To I do, and, and that's funny you would ask, because the reason I have so many backups is because by early January, and I had a lot going on in October in November, and I ended up spending part of December 10 days in Minnesota because mom was in the hospital. And so by the time it was early January when I had to turn in my list, I hadn't decided completely what I was going to exhibit. So I have lots of backups. So you have your natural backups. <clears throat> I have natural backups. I can't decide I'm going to turn in both of these because they tell you to have backups anyway. So I probably have 10 backups. And uh, they're ready. They're ready to go. In fact, I didn't make the final decision on one photo 
until yesterday when I looked at, at a layout of the exhibit as I plan it. And I said, yeah, I'm going to put this one in instead of that one. So I'm glad I had some backups. Well, one thing I, I did, and I, I reprinted a lot of them, because one of our f- members mentioned this new, I don't know if it's new, it's new to me. It's a metal-based photographic paper. And I bought a pack of it, and I fell in love with it and bought three packs of it at different sizes. So all of the show kits that will be for sale in the racks are custom mats, custom cut mats, and printed on this Red River Polar Metallic Paper. Red River Polar Metallic Paper. Which has this amazing depth and sheen, and metal prints, I think all of us have used metal prints. They're very common now, very popular, but the problem with them, I've found, is they just are not durable. If you accidentally bump it, you will chip it. Yes, you will. And then it's ruined. And so I've got some metal prints I'm entering in the exhibit. I think there's three of them, but I'm really paranoid about them getting chipped because I've had a couple others that have been chipped. So I'm really pleased with this metallic paper because I can put it in a mat, uh, an archival mat, and put it in cellophane, and I don't have to worry about it getting chipped. And when it goes into a frame behind glass. I don't have to worry about it getting chipped. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm really, really loving this this paper. I reprinted most of my old framed prints on that metallic paper for this exhibit. Now, are you using Sue to print them? No, I print them myself. Oh, you have a printer? Yeah, I oh, have I a printer. That. I, I believe— better not tell anybody that. Well, I don't print for other people. <laughs> I've had a print. My printer is old. I I was trying to find it the other day, but I think I bought that printer in about 2008 or 9. And I love the printer, but every year it gets closer and closer to not being compatible with the new upgraded operating. I'm afraid to go to Windows 11 because it works with Windows 10, but it might not work with Windows 11. You can still buy ink for it. The ink is expensive. It's a big printer. It'll print 16 by 20. And I like to print my own. I believe that that the printing is part of the art. Okay, you've said that, yeah. And if you if you send your prints to Walgreens, they're going to come back with a cast of color to them that you're probably not going to like. They're fine for snapshots or, or even, you know, family photos, that kind of stuff. But... I've used Walmart, I've used Walgreens, I've used Costco for prints like that. But if I'm doing something that I'm going to put that I'm going to mat and frame myself for fine art photography, I'm either going to print it myself or I'm going to have Sue print it. And or else I'm going to use places like Bay Photo or Pictorum who do a great job with the metal with the metal prints. I'm kind of moving away from metal. Because yeah, I'm just I'm, afraid of metal. I've had a couple chipped up at the gallery, so yeah. the edge is dinged, and it's it's hard. I don't know that you can blame anybody because it's it's difficult to move them around. Exactly. I don't I don't blame anybody, but I'm I'm kind of down on metal. They, they are really cool, but now I think we've got an alternative with this polar metallic paper. It's uh, supposed to be archival we'll see 
Uh, it's very important to uh, to sue that everything be archival. And I say, you know, my ink claims it's light fast for 108 years. And believe me, a lot of those photos that we went through in mom's house, they were faded. Yeah. That happens. That happens with time. But who's going to be around 108 years from now that cares? Won't be us. It won't be us. Won't be our kids. And it probably won't be our grandkids. So. Yeah. So I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 108 years. We shouldn't worry about it. But, you know, those photos will last a long time if they're behind glass and you don't have them in direct sunlight. The Mesquite Fine Arts Photographic Society is free. The meetings are free, open to the public. We meet the second Tuesday of each month in the classroom at the Virgin Valley Art Center. And newcomers are always welcome if you're interested in photography join us because we we have a lot of fun together randy thank you very much um i look forward to uh stopping by and see you and you in there working next sunday all right thank you steve all right randy thank you Broadcasting from the Mesquite Works Steam Center in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Artbox sponsors thank you for listening. You can find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We welcome all comments. You can email us at artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.